Let's pray. Oh, Father, all that we have, all that we are, something for you. As we put a wrap on this year that has disappeared, let the teaching, let Holy Scripture be clear, call us to the highway with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On December 2 of this last year, in a long-distance race, the Kenyan runner and Olympic medalist Abel Mutai was leading the pack. The race is in Spain. Number two in the race is a Spanish long-distance runner named Fernandez Anaya. They are entering the final stretch. The Kenyan is ahead when all of a sudden he stops. He thinks he has already crossed the finish line. Spanish newspaper reports what happens next. Fernandez Anaya quickly caught up with him, but instead of exploiting Mutai's mistake to speed past him and claim the unlikely victory, he stayed behind and using gestures guided the Kenyan to the line and let him cross first. When, a, when, when asked what motivated this obviously kind act, Anaya replied, he, he was the rifle winner. He created a gap. I couldn't have closed if he, if he hadn't made a mistake. As soon as I saw he was stopping, I knew I was not going to pass him. Here's a picture of that moment on the screen. He can't speak the language of the Kenyan, but he's pointing. Just keep going. Just keep going. The finish line is ahead. There's one word for that picture in this story, and the word is unselfish. It's one of those feel-good stories, isn't it? Guess what? God wants you and me to feel good as well. Feel good about his unselfish heart becoming embedded in ours. The, the explosive secret number four, as we put a wrap on the seeds... And the secret of the seeds is found right here, 2 Corinthians. Pull your Bible out, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You haven't been to this chapter maybe in your whole life, but we're going to go today for just a brief moment as we put a, bring an ending to this, this semester. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to be in the NIV. If you didn't bring a Bible, pull, over. pull out your phone, the tablet. Don't have that either. Grab the Pew Bible in front of you. It will be page 780 in the Pew Bible. The Pew Bible is the new King James. I'm in the NIV. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul writing, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Back to this jar of corn kernels for the last time. This is what our Andrews University cows love to consume. Did I mention this before? Our, our cows here are vegetarian. Did you know that? This is what they love to, to, to consume. And, and, and Paul brings us this, this apostolic no-brainer. He says, hey, listen, if you reach into your jar of seed and you just plant a few seeds, guess how much you'll reap? You're going to reap just a little bit. But if you reach into your jar and you pull out fistfuls and you plant fistfuls, you're going to, reach, you're going to reap a huge harvest. That's what Paul is saying. Look at verse 6 again. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's called the law of farming. If you want a large harvest, you have to plant a lot of seeds. 
That point is so critical. This fourth secret that I wish you'd pull your study guide out right now. You got a study guide in that worship bulletin, pull it out. You can go online actually and get the study guide. It's sitting right there if you want to do it online. Friendly ushers coming your way up in the balcony here. Just hold your hand up and we'll make sure you get a study guide. Those of you watching and the rest of you who want to do this online on your smartphones, we'll put the website on the screen for you right now. You see it there, www.pmchurch.tv. You're looking for the little series, The Secret of the Seed, Unleashing the Divine Potential in You. This is the conclusion. Secret number four. This is the wrap. Go to that. Go to number four and click on a study guide. You'll have the, the identical study guide we have. You've got to... You've got to take this study guide. Something, it will be a secret to your success beyond this moment. Embedded in this, the secret to your success. Let's go. Let's find out. Jot it down. Number one, the fourth secret. Plant sparingly. There it is. Plant sparingly and you will reap sparingly. Plant generously and you will reap generously. That's the apostolic no-brainer. If you want a large harvest, you must plant a lot of seeds. Pick it up now in verse 7. Paul goes on, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves, you remember that, did you have to learn that as a kid? How's that, how's that line go? God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Oh, we all had to memorize that once upon a time. God loves a cheerful giver. Hey, wait a minute, Paul isn't talking about farming at all. He's talking about giving. In fact, jot this down, will you? Here's, here's, here's what he means. Give what your heart tells you to give. Because God loves a cheerful giver. It reminds me of that story of the children of Israel. They're on their way to the promised land. They're in the hot wilderness. God comes down to Moses and he says, Moses, I want to live in the midst of all of you. So would you please build me a house? Make, make a sanctuary for me. I'll give you the blueprints and the plans. Moses takes the plans, calls the whole community together. He said, hey, guys, this is incredible. God wants to live in our midst. We got to build this out here. I'm going to need gold, I'm going to need silver, I'm going to need yarn, I'm going to need textile, I'm going to need oil, I'm going to need spices. If you have any of that in your tents, bring it, bring it, bring it tomorrow, and let's take up a big offering. And so that's exactly what happens. Everybody hurries back to their tents, they, they scour around, they find what, they, what, the, what the sanctuary is needing, and they come. And they come. And they keep coming day after day after day. True story. So I'm going to put it on the screen for you. This is Exodus chapter 36, is it? So the workmen who are building this, they received from Moses all the offerings that the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will. Free will means you don't have to do it. Nobody has a gun to your head. You've got to give this. No, free will means I want to do this. So the people continue to bring free will offerings morning after morning. It just keeps accumulating. So all the skilled workers who are doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing. They find Moses and they say, yo, Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Moses says, I never, what are we going to do now? So he gives an order. And they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from, from bringing more. Why? Because they, what they already had was more than enough to do the work. Can you, stop, stop giving. Come on, wait, too, too many offerings here. N enough, enough. <laughs> There's another feel-good story about unselfishness. Read it again. Verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly. 
Watch out. Look at this. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Four times. Paul uses the inclusive word all or its substitute. Why? He's driving home a point. Jot this point down, will you? He's driving home this point. Out of God's full and abundant resources, God is able to bless you in all things, at all times, with all that you need to fill you with all that is good. Here's the deal, guys. God holds the key to the treasure house of the universe. Whatever you need, he's got it. He has it all. He has the key. He has the, he's got the whole world in his hands. That's not just a little isolated promise here in, uh, in 2 Corinthians from Paul. Listen to, listen to Paul over here in the little book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet, there's that word again, he will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He's, he'll take care of you. Here's, here's another one from the Old Testament. Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring the whole, there's that word all, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open, and I love it in the NIV, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you'll not have room enough for it. Come on, I have the keys to the treasure house of the universe. One more, Paul back, this is Paul again, Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him, that would be God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all, there's that word again, than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. Ladies and gentlemen, do you get the idea that when we give back to God, he is very able to take very good care of all of us? I mean, please. You say, hey, but wait a minute, Dwight. You don't know the financial mess I am in. There is nobody that can extricate me from my debt load. Speaking of debt, I saw this picture on the cover of the South Bend Tribune just a few days ago. This month, they were protesting, students protesting at Indiana University. So here's the picture on the cover of uh, the South Bend Tribune. This is one of the students. She holds up this, this like a TV or a frame, and she says, Hi, I'm in $27,000 debt. Do you know how she, leave that picture up, please. Do you know why she picked the number 27,000? Because that's what they calculated. The graduates at Indiana University, that's how much they're in debt when they graduate. So I'm sharing this with Jana DeWin yesterday, and she says, 27,000, is that all? We're going to, that's a public school. This is a private school. It's 25,000 a year. Some of you are saying, listen, I, I, am, I am hopelessly in debt. I know I'm graduating. I will be under this for the rest of my life. I know it feels hopeless. And it must seem to you utterly impossible to be cared for. But I remind you these words of Jesus. Look at this. With man, this is impossible. But with God, there's that word again. With God, all things are possible. Don't you despair. Of course, you're maxed out. Your credit cards, your mortgage, student loans, you are maxed out to the hill. But God is, here's what God is doing. He's whispering to your soul today. And he's saying, hey, you know those 10 pennies you have? One of those is mine. You give me one penny out of the ten you have, and you test me. You see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and bless you to the max. 
Ten pennies. I only ask for one. It belongs to me. It's mine. Give me my tenth penny back, and I'll take care of you. Hey, that's what he's saying right here. Oh. Verse 8 again. And God is able. Oh, yes, he is. Good news on this last Sabbath of the semester. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, all, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Verse 9, for as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And then Paul has to take a breath. Because he's ready now to take it. He's going to raise the bar even higher in this unbelievable promise. He set us up now for verse 10. Now, he who supplies the seeds. Okay, so who supplied this, these seeds? We can't grow seeds. Somebody has to supply the seeds. And who is it that someone has got? He who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will also, hold on to your pew, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Can you believe that? The one who has given me all the seed I possess, because everything I have is from him, the one who has given me all this seed, he says, look, if, if I will generously sow my seed, God will generously replenish, replenish my seed. Your seed. You give, and it'll come back. I mean, the Bible is ah, shines with stories that confirm it. Remember, the, remember that little widow, Zarephath? She's a pagan. She's a pagan. This little widow, she's out to get her last meal for her boy. Elijah comes along and says, I want something. He says, listen, girl, if you will do this for me, the God that I serve will take care of you for the rest of this famine. And guess what? She gave the little she had, and it never ran out. God is in the business of saying, give me the little you have, and you will never run out. There's that little boy with five loaves and two fishes, and Jesus says, I'm hungry, and this crowd is hungry. Anybody got food? Just this boy. Give me what he has. The little boy went home with a lesson. When you give God what you have, God will make it last and last and last. They had to take up baskets full of leftover. God's point, give what you have, and I will make sure it never runs out. Can you believe that? Amazing. Oh, I've got to read that one more time. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Embedded in what we just read are three phases of the life cycle of success. Are you graduating? I saw some hands go up here. Some of you graduating. This is it. Hey, if you memorize these three, that's why I wanted you to make sure you have the study guide. If you memorize these three, guarantee you will succeed anywhere on earth, wherever God leads you. Three, it's a little cycle of three. Just these three. Because this works financially. It'll work for you. Trust me. Financially, it'll work academically. You say, I'm back again. Good. This will work for you academically. This will work for you intellectually. This will work for you socially. This will work for you even in the mission of the kingdom. Three 
phases to the life cycle of success. Get these three and you're good to go. Let's go. I'll share these three and then sit down. Number one, phase number one, recognize the giver. Memorize these three. Recognize the giver. Two young brothers were spending the night at their grandparents' home. And at bedtime, the boys knelt beside their bed to say their prayers. And the youngest one began praying at the top of his lungs. I pray for a new bicycle. I pray for a new Xbox. I pray for a new iPhone. His older brother said, Psst, what? what are you doing? Why are you shouting your prayers? God isn't deaf. I know, the little brother replied, but Grandma is. That's how, I share the story because that's how we treat God sometimes. We treat him like this, this heavenly, doting, benevolent grandma in the sky. I need an A. I need a car. I need a husband. Good luck. I need a job. That's the way we, you know, Every, when it's an emergency, I go to grandma in the sky. I say, please help me out. God says, I'm not a grandma in the sky. Everything you have, I've already given to you. I own it all. I have the key to the treasure house of the universe. You don't have to come to me just on special occasions. Come and stay with me. I'll take care of you. Give me your seed, and I will give you a harvest. He's not a grandma. He's God. He owns it all. Oh, Father, just get that down. Why does he own it all? Well, I'll tell you why. Put it down on the screen, please. He's the giver of it all because he's the owner of it all. He says, I can give anything you need, whatever you want. Not always whatever you want, whatever you need. Because sometimes I want what's not good for me. Come on, let's be honest, Dwight. You don't always get it right. You're right. He is the giver of it all because he's the owner of it all. We looked at this last week, Haggai 2.8. God says, the silver and the gold is mine. We looked at Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all mine, God says. What is your problem? Don't you trust me to be able to provide for you? I have it all, and I will give to you. Give to me. I'll take care of you. Unbelievable. First phase of this essential life cycle, by the way, this will work with any, it'll work with your career, this will work with your, with your financial management, it works on every level of life. Phase number one, recognize the giver. Phase number two, jot it down, reinvest the gift. All the seeds you have, all the money you have, all the smarts you have, all the good health you have, reinvest the gift. It all comes from God. And I want to tell you something, I wish we had time for this, we don't. The happiest lives on this planet, I'll guarantee you, the happiest lives on this planet, and they don't all live in Hollywood, trust me. They're not all sports jocks, trust me. The happiest lives on this planet, the most fulfilled human beings on earth have found the secret of the cycle of three. And when they get, they reinvest the gift. That's what they do. That's what made Mother Teresa what she was. That's what made David Livingston who he was. That's what makes the human beings we long remember who they are. Winston Churchill, my friend Ron Rott shared this with me. Winston Churchill spoke these words, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. If you keep what you get, you're just making a living. But if you give what, give what you've been given, you'll make a life. And I'm not about living. I'm about life, aren't you? Absolutely. Absolutely.
Remember the old story? This is the only story in the Bible, by the way, where God calls somebody a fool. God, you should not do that. Well, he did it once. Story about a farmer. Had bumper crops this, oh, this season. Bumper crops. And when the crops are, the grain is all in. Oh, he's he staying up late one night. He's doing the calculations. Man, my land did very well. And I am going to have to build larger silos. And I'm going to have to get shinier John Deere combines. And oh, man, when I have all this, I'm going on cruises. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. Whoa, late at night, he crawls into bed and doesn't see the curtains flutter as a mysterious presence has entered the bedroom with him. And as he puts his head on the pillow, there's a voice in the dark that says, you fool, you fool, tonight you die. Then where are all your dreams and possessions? Jesus then tells the punchline to this parable. I put it on the screen for you, Luke chapter 12. This is how it will be, Jesus says, with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Would you jot that down, please? What is Jesus' point here? Be rich toward God, please. God says, be rich to me. Don't scrimp with me. I have everything that you need. I have it all. I'll give it to you. Be rich. You want to get rid of this selfish heart, don't you, Dwight? You're, you, you would never have done that on a race, Dwight. You wouldn't have done that at all. You would have just gone ahead and won the race and been so proud of yourself. You want an unselfish heart? Like me, God says, give, give, give. Freely you have received. Let's put this on the screen. This is what Jesus is saying. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Freely you have received, freely give. That's how it works. I gave to you, now you give for me. I give to you. No, you give. Be rich toward God. Hey, listen, let me show you something in the pulpit right here. You see this little envelope? This envelope, what's this envelope all about? This envelope is in every pew right in front of you. This envelope is about how to be rich toward God. I mean, you can be rich toward Uncle Sam. You can be rich toward your Wall Street portfolio. You can be rich toward your career. This is about how to be rich toward God. This little envelope. It's called a tithe envelope. There are three lines on this tithe envelope, and I took a picture with my very smart camera that was able to do this and put it on the screen for you. This is the inside of the tithe envelope. We call line one, line one. It's tithe. That's a tithe. You say, what's a tithe? Tithe is if you have 10 pennies, God says, I'll take one of those, please. It belongs to me. If you have 10 dimes, he says, I'll take one of those, please. It belongs to me. If you have 10 dollar bills, he said, please, want just one of those for me. If you have $10,000 bills, he said, I'll just take one of those for me. If you have $10,000 bills, he said, listen, I'll only, I'll only take one of those. It's mine. If you have $10,000 bills, he says, I'll take one of those, please. It's mine. It doesn't matter whether you have pennies or big bucks. It's all the same. One of those 10 belongs to me. That's tithe. Not a penny of the tithe stays in this church. Gone. $5 million a year. Gone. Nothing stays. That's why there's line two. Let's put line two. That's called PMC operating expense. This campus congregation, this campus congregation, overseas, new life, one place, everybody's here, all the money's come through here. This campus congregation only exists because you remember line two. If everybody said, forget it, I just want to be, I'm just going to give God line 10. It's his. I don't have to give anybody else. Ooh, we're dead meat. We have to have line two. 
Thank you for remembering line two. Oh, there's one more line. We call it line three. There it is, Christian education. Do you know what that line stands for? Ruth Murdoch Elementary School and Andrews Academy. That's what that line is all about. These two church schools on this campus exist because we support them. If Pioneer just said, we're not giving any more to Christian education, they're gone. That's why line three is just as important. One, two, three. It's as easy as one, two, three. Those top three lines. <laughs> you say, oh, come on, Dwight. I mean, what, 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 what are we talking about here? What kind, of, uh, what, what kind of gifts are we supposed to give? Well, I'm glad you asked. On the other side, of the, you, these are new, by the way. They just, just came the other day. On the other side, you'll see some suggested giving guides. You say, where did those giving guides come from? This congregation voted them. That's where. So for, for uh, tithe, tithe is 10%. For Pioneer Memorial Church operating, that would be 3%. For Christian education, 2%. For Master Plan of Evangelism, 2%. World Budget for the whole world church, 1%. Michigan Advance for this conference, 1%. Television, 1%. He said, wait a minute, Dwight, I just did the arithmetic very fast. That's 10% for tithe and 10% for offerings. Give me a break. It can't work. Oh, yes, it does. Karen and I have been doing that 20% for years, and God has blessed us to the max with kids in school. God will take care of you. God says, I have the keys to the treasure house of the universe. Oh, look at, look at verse 6 again. Remember this, Paul writing, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Yeah. Hey, by the way, you hear that, baby? That's the music we love in Pioneer. If you know young parents who are satelliting out there and saying, man, I'm not going to church because my kid's going to cry, we love that sound in this church. We do. I just got, a, I got an email from a young parent who says, Dwight, I'm just loving it here in this church. Our little girl sits and listens to the sermons. She's like three years old. She listens to the sermons. You, you hand out these kids' books when we come in, so she has something to occupy her. I want you to get the word out. There are a few worshiping communities around. This is the one where if you want top drawer for your children, that's the sound we love. Keep that baby crying, please, Mom. I like that. I like that. That's what it's all about. All right, so that was verse 6. Now, here comes the promise in verse 10. God says, hey, he who supplies the seed, Paul is saying about God, he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I'm going to take care of you. All right, three, three phases. These are the success phases. You want to be successful in life. Number one, recognize the uh, giver. Number two, reinvest the gift. And finally, number three, reap the gain. Come on, reap the gain. That's what God wants you to do. Every farmer does it. Reap the gain. When you recognize him as giver and reinvest the gift, you now reap the gain. And God says, see if I'll not open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much you won't know what to do with it. I like the way Desire of Ages, that little classic on the life of Jesus, I like the way Desire of Ages puts it. All, oh, there's that word again. All who consecrate soul, body, and spirit to God will be constantly receiving a new endowment of physical and mental power. Boy, this is a great for a university community, isn't it? New endowment of physical and mental power. Last line that I love. The inexhaustible supplies of heaven are at your command. Inexhaustible. You never run out. You can keep coming back and I need more. I need more. He says, good. Come on, let's go. Inexhaustible. It never runs out. The most successful people in the world 
have lived by this cycle. Let me show you the cycle again. Here's the cycle right here. Number one, recognize the giver. And once you do, you realize all, I, all this seed is his anyway. So number two, reinvest the gift for the giver. Number three, reap the gain. And then number four, you go to recognize the giver. And then number five, reinvest the gift. And number six, reap the gain. And number seven, and this, it's just this cycle. It's the life cycle of success. If you will memorize these three phases, you will succeed in all eternity, all eternity. And this cosmos will be your domain one day. Wow. Little four-year-old Elizabeth Johnston. She was learning her memory verse. Bob and Madeline Johnston are members of our congregation right here. So this is little four-year-old Beth. She's, she went to Sabbath school that day and they taught the memory verse, God loveth a cheerful giver. Remember we had to learn that in King James. God loveth a cheerful giver. But her little mind somehow got it a tad mixed up. For all the next week, Madeline overheard Beth reciting to her little dollies, God is a lovely, cheerful giver. She got it right. God loves a cheerful giver, but God is a lovely, cheerful giver. That's the truth. To drive that home, Paul says, there's one more line for you, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Did we sing, Tasi? did we just sing indescribable? Didn't we sing something about, look at that. That's in the Bible. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Calvary. That is Calvary indescribable, the love of the God of this universe who empties his heart out and his life out to save you and me. I mean, come on. Did he give 10%? Did he give 20%? How much did God give to us? Come on, tell me. How much did God give to us? 100%. Just like that. And then I come to God and say, you know what, God? I mean, you, you, you are really a sticker. I can't believe I have to give 10% back to you. And another 10%? Oh, brother. Guys, 20% when he gave everything and then he says, give me the 20 and I'll make the 10% and the 10% stretch so that you'll have more than 100% that you started with? Are you, do you have a problem with this? He says, I need to deal with your selfishness, Dwight. Let it go. Let it go. Give it to me. And see if I'll not open the floodgates of heaven that there'll not be room enough for you. Oh, wow. What a God. This last week, one of the great, one of the household names in evangelical America in the 20th century, he died this week, 104 years old, George Beverly Shea, one of the great singers, partnered with Billy Graham for decades, just died this week. His signature, his trademark piece that he composed, oh, the whole nation knows it. It seems fitting that today we sing that piece. In his autobiography, let me tell you the story first. The, the, his autobiography entitled, Then Sings My Soul, he tells of the day when he composed this piece. You see, George, or Bev, as they called him, his mother was used to leaving, leaving little notes or poems or essays for the children to read. And for George, she knew that if she put it on his violin case, 10 violinists today, if you, if, if, if you put it on his violin case or the piano, George would see it. It's Sunday morning. George's dad is a pastor. And so George Beverly Shea is going to play the piano that day. He sits down at the piano, and Mother has placed there a little poem written by Mrs. Rhea Miller. 
Now, he's, in his autobiography, he tells the rest of the story. Instead of practicing the hymn I had intended to play that Sunday morning in church, I turned to this poem. Melody just seemed to form around the words. When I played and sang it through for the first time, Mother came in from the kitchen where she had overheard. She wrapped both arms around my shoulders and placed her wet cheek next to mine. In church that morning, I sang for the first time, I'd rather have Jesus. Hymn 327. We're going to close with that hymn. Hymn 327. I'd rather have Jesus. But before we sing the hymn, I, I, I want to invite you to pull out your Connect card, will you? There's a Connect card tucked away inside your worship bulletin today. Before we sing the hymn, visitors, delighted to have you. Look at Josh's family. Nice to have all of you. We, we invite our guests to join us in filling out this Connect card. You see there's a little black bar at the top. That's the front side of the card. There's demographic information there. You share what you're comfortable with, all right? Nobody's grilling you. You just share what you're comfortable with. By the way, if you put your email address, I'll send you something in cyberspace within 48 hours. If you put your email address on this, there's something I'd like you to see. So that's the front side. The back side, we call it the next step side. Because you can't just listen to a teaching like this. You can't just read the Bible and then go off and just pretend like you never heard anything. We need to take the next step. What are the suggested next steps today? Let's take a look. Number one, I wish to live a life of gratitude for God's indescribable gift. <laughs> I just want to live a life of gratitude. Well, I'm putting a check mark there, aren't you? Come on. Of course, we can all put a check mark there. Box number two. Box number two, for the God who is a lovely, cheerful giver, I choose to return his tithe and give my offerings. Some of you are saying, Dwight, I've never done that in my life. You know, I grew up in a home where mom and dad covered all that, and I just have not gotten into it. Hey, about the right time then for you and God to become partners yourselves, not partners through your parents, you and God, the God of the universe, and you, lifelong partners, this is it. He says, bring me your tithes and offerings. Bring them to me. Here's the deal. This generation says, hey, come on, I don't want to put it in a little envelope. I want to do it all online. You put a check mark in box number two, within 48 hours you'll get a, you'll, you'll get a link to, ha to, a, to a method. You examine it for yourself. You just check it out for yourself. We'll get you a link to a method, and you can give online. You never have to worry about an envelope again. You never have to have enough cash or have a checking account. You won't need any of that. So if you put a check mark right there, I'll send to you that, that, uh, that line in cyberspace. You're saying, Dwight, I don't know, man. I want to wait till I get out. You know, i got these big student loans, and so once I get the student loans... Are you serious? Do you know how long you're going to be on those student loans? No, you don't wait. You don't wait. Say, once I get out of debt, then I'm going to bring God into the equation. It's the other way around, ladies and gentlemen. If you're in debt, that's the time to bring God into the equation. Not once I get out. You'll never get out. You'll never get out. Bring him in now. That's what he says. Let me just be me. Let me be your friend. Sign me up, and I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. Oh, this is the perfect day to do that. Put a check mark there. I'll send you that uh, link in cyberspace. And finally, number three, I want to plant generously so that I might reap generously. I want to live by that fourth, explosive fourth secret. I want to live that way. I just want to be a generous guy. I want to be a generous girl. I just want to be, live unselfishly like Jesus has treated me. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's it.
I want to ask God to bless these, and then ushers will have you stand. I want to ask God to bless what we've just decided. Then we'll sing George Beverly Shea's beautiful, beautiful piece. All right, let's pray together. Oh, God, what are we talking about? Indescribable. That's your gift at Calvary, indescribable. And I'm going to go walking up to you and say, God, I have, this, I have a thing about this uh, percentage. I'm not real comfortable with it. God, what is my problem? I know what it is. I'm selfish. God, break me of that self-centeredness. Break me of my selfishness. And use giving to unlock the door of my heart and to put me Trust me into this life cycle of success. And do that, Father, for every man, every woman who's here right now. Do it to the max and see if you do not open the floodgates of heaven. So our commitments, we put them before you. Take our commitments. Grow us. For the glory and honor of Jesus, receive our tithes and offerings this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I wanted to take an extra moment to let you know how grateful I am you joined us today. I hear from viewers and listeners like you all across this nation and literally around the world, and I'm thankful. Because it's through the generosity of the members of this congregation and people like you that we're able to bring you this program. So if what we share today has touched your heart, I'd like to invite you to become a financial partner with us. Just give us a call. Toll-free number 877, the two words, His Will. 877, His Will, or if you'd rather, Go to our website, www.pmchurch.tv. Either way, your generosity will bless a new generation in cyberspace all over this planet. So thank you. Thank you very much for your partnership.